0: Thank you very much, Travis. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, we are thankful that there was room at the cross for us. Thank you that in Christ we have redemption, been bought from slavery to sin in Christ. We have forgiveness in Christ. We've been reconciled to you. In Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ. All the fullness of deity dwelt in bodily form and we have been given fullness along with many other things that we have in Christ. Thank you for Christ coming, dying, rising from the dead, ascending to be at your right hand, Father, becoming our great high priest. Thank you that he was broken and spilled out. And in light of the cross, and light of the songs we sang as a congregation before Travis sang, and now as we interact with a portion of your word from Mark, we want to be open and sensitive to your word, to your spirit working in us. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. <clears throat> I have two chocolate chip cookies. Should I take the first or second hand that I saw, Karen? You wanna come, Karen? No? Luke? Do you like chocolate chip cookies? Yes. Yes, you wanna eat one of them now? Maybe. Maybe. I had a big breakfast. You had a big breakfast? There you are, you wanna take a bite of one at least? What did you do to them? I didn't do anything. Ask Ruth Ann. She brought them from home and I didn't open the bag since I brought it right here. They're safe. There's no mouse trap in there. There's no nothing in there. They're they're safe to eat. He doesn't trust me, does he? (laughs) We'll let him go, I guess. If you saw his face before he came up, maybe you noticed on the way up, you could see that he enjoys chocolate chip cookies I saw Lee Ron's face his hand went up there too and I think next time right maybe would you trust me you'd trust me fully (laughs) you know we enjoy certain things and it shows in our face if I were to say I have some pizza and I need a volunteer Alan's hands would go up and his feet would go up because he enjoys pizza they're not regular (laughs) try them anyway how many of us here enjoy football it'll probably be obvious tonight are you enjoying Jesus Christ and living with him and walking with him day by day did you relate to him this week did you enjoy him as Luke might enjoy the right kind of chocolate chip cookies or some of us might enjoy pizza. As we think about the Gospels, <clears throat> as we begin the Gospel of Mark, I want to mention just a couple of thoughts on understanding the Gospel of Mark <clears throat> or understanding any of the Gospels. As you read the Gospels of Mark, as we discuss the Gospels of Mark, please keep in mind <clears throat> that the focus Of the Gospels is on Jesus Christ. The focus of the Gospels is on Jesus Christ, not us. Why do I think it's necessary to make that statement? Because there's an increasing tendency in our reading of the Gospels to reduce them primarily to sources of insights about ourselves. I read the Gospels, and what can I get from myself? No, read the Gospels, what is there? about Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 6, if you want to turn there, you can, but in Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through the end of the chapter, we find that Jesus is walking on the water. After feeding of the 5,000, he sends his disciples into a boat. And while they're on the water, a storm comes up. And what is he doing He's walking on the water and many times we will read that passage and we're not going to read it this morning but we read the passage and we tend to think this way about the passage if you want God to do great things through you that is walk in water you must get out of the boat get out of your comfort zone and we read the passage and think, God can walk in water. I can walk in water. I can get out of the boat, so to speak, out of my comfort zone and do something great. I'm more inclined to think that the correct interpretation is Jesus is training his followers by sending them into a difficult situation so that they will see more of his ability and more about him. The one focuses on Christ, the other focuses on us. The Gospels are are about Christ. Secondarily, if you even want to say secondarily, about us. The result is that we might know more about ourselves, but less about Jesus. The tendency to make the Gospels about us is a problem of our worldview glasses and the narcissistic woundedness that we have in our culture today. We end up knowing more about ourselves and less about Jesus. We become theologically impoverished in our knowledge about the only one who can really transform us. We become ignorant of our master, whom we should be seeking to please with all our being. Do you ever stop and think about the fact that we probably don't need to know a lot more about ourselves? We need to know more about Christ because Christ is the one who says in Matthew 11, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In John 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We can learn about ourselves through the Gospels. However, the Gospels were primarily written to reveal Jesus Christ, who he is what he did, and why he is the only true object of our faith. If we change that focus, we distort the very essence of the Gospels. It's kind of like a person flying to Florida, and as they're flying to Florida, they complain about the little bitty food that they get. They complain about a small piece of dirt on the floor, and miss the glory of being able to get to Florida in a couple hours rather than spending hours behind a steering wheel. We can read the Gospels and see a little bit about ourselves and miss the glory of Jesus Christ. As we make the Gospels more about ourselves, we ironically lessen the transforming impact of the Gospels upon our lives. Because the more we learn and see about Jesus Christ, the more we entrust ourselves to him as his disciples. Sometimes we're tempted to treat Jesus or the Gospels like the government. We reluctantly give our taxes and expect the government to give a lot to us. We reluctantly give to Jesus and then expect much from him. We probably should be like the fifteen year old who was in an abusive home for twelve years and then for three years lived on the streets and then was adopted by a very godly family. She never get over her family. We live in an abusive world. We're slaves to sin, we're slaves to the enemy. And Christ adopts us. That Christ is revealed in the Gospels. The longer I'm married to Ruth Ann, the more I can't get over her as a person. I want her. Not what she does for me or what she might give. I just want to be with her. And as we see Jesus in the same light, we just want to be with him. And walk with him and not necessarily consumed about what he does. Let's take our Bibles and go to Mark chapter 1, reading together. Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. Mark 1, 1 through 12. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down to untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open, and the Spirit descending him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven At once, a spirit sent him out in the desert, and he was in the desert 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Ancient writings normally begin with either a formal dedication describing the purpose of the book, or with an opening line treating the subject to be discussed. Mark uses the latter. The first word of the Greek text is beginning. That is the beginning of Jesus' ministry on earth. Jesus is new. He never came before. The message is good news involving Christ, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's the beginning of his temporal temporal life. Please understand that the good news is the person of Jesus Christ. The beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's good news, that's singular, not plural because there's only one good news involving one person, that person being Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There is no other good news. There is no one else equal to Jesus Christ. He alone is the good news. He's Jesus. He is salvation. He is Christ. He's the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He's the Son of God. Jesus, in human form, is the Son of God. In human form, and I would emphasize that, but yet, the Son of God. The balance of Mark's gospel reveals the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark's entire gospel presents one and only one message, the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The message is The person of Jesus Christ. And I emphasize that. The message is the person of Jesus Christ. Beware of being consumed merely with the cross of Christ. Mark begins with the person of Christ. Not what he did. We can tend to focus on the good news of Jesus as it relates to what he did. And miss out on the person of Jesus Christ. His being, who he is, is intimately related to what he did. Glory in Christ, not merely what he did. If we glory merely in what he did on the cross... We tend to use him rather than enjoy him. Simon, Andrew, James, and John, as recorded later in chapter 1, followed Jesus because of who he was. There was a relationship. If we're not careful, we can use Jesus rather than relate to him. We can be like a teenager who may use parents to get what they want. I'm not saying all oh, teenagers do that, but teens sometimes do that. Or we can be like a man who uses pornography or a prostitute to get what he wants. And there's not a relationship. It's the message. It's the message. Cross, the person of Jesus Christ, not merely what he did, who he is. That's what the gospel of Mark is about. The message is a person, not merely what he did through the cross. Please try to grasp that as we dis- discuss Mark. We're dealing with a person Yes, he went to the cross. The cross was essential. But the cross could not be the cross if it was not for Jesus Christ and who he was and what was revealed about him as he came and he revealed God well on planet earth. In verse two, it says, it was written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice Of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now here we find that a messenger is being sent ahead. The messenger is John the Baptist. Verse 4, and so John came baptizing in the desert region, preaching a baptism of repentance. Verse 7, and this was his message, that is the message of John the Baptist. After me will come one more powerful than I. So the messenger is John the Baptist, spoken of by Isaiah the prophet, also spoken by Malachi. Who is the message? Jesus. I will send my messenger ahead of you, ahead of Jesus Christ, to prepare the way. So John the Baptist is the messenger, preparing the way for the message, who is Jesus Christ? And he quotes from Isaiah, written some 700 years before Christ, and from Malachi, some 400 years before Christ. So 700 years before, Isaiah speaks of John the Baptist, the messenger, coming to prepare the way for the message, Jesus Christ. Malachi, in his last chapter of his book, Talks about the messenger, John the Baptist, coming and he's going to prepare the way for the message, Jesus Christ. Now, I emphasize that for a definite reason that Jesus is the message. We're dealing with a person, we're dealing with a relationship, we're dealing with one who came. He related to his disciples, they followed him. He died on the cross, but don't get hung up in the end, the cross because we're dealing with the person of Jesus Christ. I find it interesting as he quotes, or rather as John the Baptist ministers, you find that John the Baptist spoke strongly against the religious leaders of his day. John the Baptist spoke strongly against the religious leaders of his day. In Matthew chapter 3, if you want to turn there, you can. If not, you can listen as I read. In Matthew chapter 3, But when he, John the Baptist, saw the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do you think that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father? I tell you, That out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is ready, is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Very strong message. You brood of vipers. He's talking to religious people. But at the same time, John the Baptist offers comfort. Verse 11 of Matthew 3, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me... One who is more powerful than I, whose sin as I am not fit to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John came with a strong message against the religious people, but he offered comfort. Jesus spoke strongly against the religious people of his day in Mark chapter 7. Very strongly he spoke against them but we find that in Mark 2, he offers comfort. There's a parallel between the way John Baptist ministered and the way Jesus ministered. And you will find the same parallel in Isaiah. In Isaiah, we find at the beginning of the book, there is judgment against Israel. Strong judgment against Israel. They're gonna go into Babylonian captivity. But at the same time in Isaiah 40, there is comfort. And You'll find the same in the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi. There's a strong judgment. Went the wrong way. Sorry. There's a strong ju- judgment against Judah. And their leaders. But at the same time, there's comfort for Judah because John the Baptist is going to come. He's going to prepare the way for the message, Jesus Christ. As I have studied this passage, Mark lays the groundwork to communicate clearly that the messenger, John the Baptist, prepared the way for the message. And he quotes from Isaiah, he quotes from Malachi to lay down the groundwork that the messenger, John the Baptist, is valid. He's the one who was predicted. Why would that be emphasized? Why would Isaiah and Malachi speak about that? Because the validity of the messenger determines the message. If you don't trust the messenger, myself, who gave cookies to Luke, he's not going to trust the message, the cookie. How many of us in reading about what is happening in Iran with their developing nuclear capabilities will, read, will believe Iran's own press and say, we're not developing any nuclear capabilities. You don't trust the messenger, so you won't believe the message. I'm more inclined, if I were to read what Israel says, what their news service says about Iran, I'd be more inclined to believe them because there's a different messenger. So, Mark says, I will send my messenger, John the Baptist, ahead of you, Jesus Christ, who is the message, who will prepare your way. The voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. The messenger, John the Baptist, prepared the way for Jesus. That's why when Jesus called people, he called four men in Mark chapter 1, they would follow him. Because John the Baptist prepared the way. The messenger, John the Baptist, came beforehand to prepare the way for the message, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the message and as we'll discuss in weeks to come, very, very important Some applications. Jesus Christ is the gospel. He's the good news. It's the person of Jesus Christ who is the good news, not facts about him or merely what he did. We must focus on who he is and relate to him, not merely facts about him. I believe one of the reasons many professing believers may be passionless about Jesus Christ is that they have trusted in what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection, but don't really have a relationship with him as a person. They believe what he did for the future, but are not living in relationship with him in the present. They want the end of the book of Mark. But they don't want Mark 1 through 14 of relating to Jesus day by day. Mark is not revealing facts. He's presenting a good news, the person of Jesus Christ, whom the messenger John the Baptist prepared the way for. I think we have a tendency to focus too much on what Jesus has done which has resulted in largely missing him as a person. A couple may get married. And many times early in the relationship, it may go on for years, they love each other, but yet there's kind of a sense of using one another, even though they don't use that terminology. You know, a guy thinking, what will my wife give to me? And a wife thinking, what will my husband give to me? And I'm not knocking that. but I love to see someone who's been married 50 or 60 or 70 years. And I saw that this week where a husband is broken hearted because his wife is not well physically. He's not looking for anything from her. He's expecting nothing. He just misses her. And then I talk to his wife and she's not expecting anything from her husband. She just... Misses him as a person for who he is. That's what the gospel of Jesus Christ is about. It's not about the future merely. I get to go to heaven and I miss hell. Oh, I can do what I want now. It's about relating to him in the present. Not necessarily what he'll give to me, or what I can give to him, but a relationship of just being together in day-by-day living. If we're not careful, we focus heavily on the future. Ah, yeah, I got my ticket to heaven. I escaped hell, and we just kind of ignore Jesus day by day. The Gospel of Mark is saying we're dealing with a relationship as well as the future. We're dealing with a relationship in the here and now, as you go to job, as you shop, as you drive, as you relate to your family. We're also dealing with what's coming in the future through the same package. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The messenger of John the Baptist prepared the way for the message, Jesus Christ. He is the message. Relating to him, his disciples, the twelve walked with him. He called them to be with him. And then they lived with him after he ascended to heaven. And ultimately, they died a martyr's death, with the exception of John. And then they were with him again. So, as we reflect on the Gospel of Mark, we're talking about the grace of God that Jesus should come among us so that we can have a relationship with him. We can trust in what he has done and have a future, but day by day, walking with him as we shop, as we drive, as we work, as we spend time with our families. Let's sing together about God's grace.